Welcome to the Spooky Tales podcast presented by me, John. And me, Louise. We have been fascinated by spooky goings-on since we can remember and wanted to share with you the stories that pique our interest. Today's story is of hauntings, possession, poltergeist, psychological manipulation and an unexpected twist. It's the spooky tale of the ghosts of Gladstone Villa. Welcome to the Spooky Tales podcast and thank you to all of you who have written to us to tell us how much you are enjoying this and for sharing your spooky experiences. Now, if you like this podcast, you are more than likely to like Stories of Strangeness, co-hosted by Mike and Zoe. They have a brilliant format where one of them will present a paranormal story and then they will discuss it. We're really enjoying their podcast and I'm sure you will too. Today's tale comes to us from a listener, Andrew Dexter, who we are most grateful to for sharing his story and experiences and allowing us to tell them in full. Really? So this is our first listener story? It is indeed. Andrew and his family lived at a large property called Gladstone Villa, named after the Gladstone who was the Prime Minister four times between 1868 and 1894. He was a member of the Liberal Party, wasn't he? Now you see, the reason I know this is because I studied this period and I was really obsessed with both Gladstone and Disraeli and also Robert Peel, who were all Prime Ministers. Did he invent the gears, Disraeli? Israeli gears? Yes. I don't know. That's, I don't know about gears. That would be quite cool if a Prime Minister invented Disraeli gears. I don't think so, but Robert Peel was, was the chap who did the P-lights, which became the police. So he was the one that did that, and he was my absolute favourite uh, uh, 19th century, 18th century politician. I just love all that kind of stuff. So yes, so yes, I do know a little bit about Gladstone. Yeah, and? I'm not going to say any more. Oh, OK. Well, yes. he did have a hobby. Do you know about his hobby? No. No, yes. He, 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 I think it was Gladstone that had a hobby and used to draw, draw a little whip in his diary on the days that he did his hobby. A did whip? You, yes. What, draw a whip? Yes, because he would experience that kind oh. of thing. Yes, I should say no more, but, you know, if you know, you know. How shocking. And he, he's a Liberal Prime Minister as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. My goodness. Yes, well, I, I don't think there have been many Liberal Prime Ministers I probably do need to check that, but that's what I remember from when I was 17. It is I the sort of thing you it. would remember, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So there we are. That's all I know about Gladstone. Well, I do know more, but that's the most salacious thing I know about Gladstone. Right. No, very good. Good good detail. Yeah, thank you very much. So, well, Gladstone Villa is situated in the former mining town of Bargoed in the Caerphilly County borough of South Wales in the UK. I do apologise to any Welsh people if I have murdered those pronunciations. I thought they sounded good. Well, who knows? But please do let me know what it should be if uh, if I've got that uh, completely incorrect. So, I mean, what's the difference between a house and a villa? I thought a villa was like a holiday home in the Mediterranean. Mm, I don't know. A a fancy house, perhaps? Ah, that makes sense. Anyway, now, before his family moved there in 1960, let's take a look at the history of the house and its previous inhabitants. Henry Jones and his family lived there during the First World War. They were a family of 14. Oh, so it must be quite a big place then. Yes, indeed. Henry's son, Albert, was taken prisoner in Germany, but was released in 1917. Michael and Evelyn Kimiet 
were married in 1923 and they lived at Gladstone Villa in the 1920s. Their son, Elvin Roland Kimiet, died there on Thursday the 29th of May, 1924. He was just four months old. I know, that's terribly sad, isn't it? His funeral took place on Monday the 2nd of June, 1924. It was a strictly private affair, as stated in the Cardiff newspaper, the Western Mail of that year. They're still going, by the way, the Western Mail. The Williams family lived there in the 1940s. Hugh and his wife Gwen and their son Robert was born at the property on the 8th of March, 1946. So both Hugh, Gwen and his son and their son were born. I probably want to put a pause in there. I want to say, Hugh and his son. They were all born there on the same day. day, Which is weird. (laughs) Oh, dear. Yes, so the Williams family lived there in the 1940s, Hugh and his wife Gwen. Their son Robert was born at the property on the 8th of March 1946, and they moved to the Grove in 1950. The Mills family then arrived at the property. Edgar Mills actually claimed it was haunted and said there were tunnels nearby that led up to local villages of, again, I do apologise to the Welsh people who are listening, Geligier, where there is a Roman fort and also the village of Nelson. And I think I've can go. I think i got that one. Yes. Uh, where there is a manor called Llanchiach Four. Oh, well done, sir. Oh, dear me. Uh, Edgar would tell the tale that he heard rhythmic tapping on the door and they would go and investigate. And would there be anything there? No. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, Newly married William Dexter and his wife Caroline moved in with Caroline's grandparents at Gladstone. So this is Dexter's mum and dad. Right. They moved into Gladstone Villa in 1968. Right. Andrew was born in the summer of 1969. So actually, I'm a little older than... um, uh, than, than Andrew because I was born much. in the spring of 1969 yeah not much yeah I know but we're kind of 1969 buddies aren't yes we? exactly yeah. so from 1969 to 1978 they experienced activity that simply defied rational explanation oh really what what kind of stuff well there were lights going on and off electrical cables were witnessed being pulled and the grandfather Bill claimed to have had a glass bottle thrown towards him as he entered the main bedroom, missing him by inches. Crikey! Andrew can still recall the time his grandfather came out from the bedroom with the broken bottle in his hands and he told them what had happened. Were any ghosts actually seen? Uh, So yeah, there was the occasional sighting, but this was very rare indeed. So rare that in all the nine years Andrew was there, he never actually saw it. However... He did hear it many times in his bedroom. Oh, that would creep me out. I know. I'm not sure how long I would have stayed in the bedroom. However, and I don't have any choice, though. Uh, good point, good point. Yeah. Andrew, it's quite a big house, isn't it? If there's it's 14 rooms, you could yeah. have gone here. Yeah. Well, not 14 rooms, but uh, it's, it can take 14. Yeah. So Andrew's mother, however, Caroline, saw it on two occasions. There were also regular footsteps heard in the main bedroom every evening. Sometimes during the day, when the family would all be downstairs watching TV, one of the family would turn the volume down to hear it more clearly, and the grandfather would point to the ceiling and say, He's by here, and he's by here now, trying to make out where the footsteps were coming from exactly. Andrew's mum, Caroline, said that it was soon after Andrew was born, in August 1969, that the strange things started to happen. He was just a baby when she said it all started off 
rather quietly, like small tapping here and there, but nothing too noticeable. In time, the activity gradually increased. One time, his mother said that the family heard a noise, like someone jumping down from the attic and onto the landing, much like what we just heard a moment ago. Naturally, thinking that someone was trying to break in, they all went up the stairs to see what was going on. I'm not sure naturally you think that somebody was trying to break in. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think you just go, what's that noise? What's that noise? You wouldn't go, somebody's trying to break in. I don't know. Unless there'd be reports of people trying to break in. Yeah. Well, there's no, no, uh, no mention of that. No. But, um, well, that's what they thought. Yeah. Yes, that's what they thought. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and so when they got there, they found there was nobody there, probably to their relief in yes, some ways. absolutely. But then, of course, they'll be thinking, well, what was it? Yes. However, you see, the hatch to the attic was open. So whatever it was eventually occupied itself in the main bedroom, which was where the grand, which was the grandparents' room. It soon made its presence felt by walking around the bedroom. And the sounds of dragging could be heard. Why on earth do ghosts like dragging? Things? It's chains as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, rattling chains. Yeah. Ooh, actually, I've given myself a shiver by saying that. Yeah. No, that well, it's it's like I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they go to ghosting school yeah. and that sort of thing. So they say, right, well, go on to change this lesson. <laughs> yes. We've all got the dragging. <laughs> yes. A bit of confidence no, no, about the dragging. Here's the way how you rattle it. Yeah. Yes. Sort of Hogwarts for ghosts. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, it's a good point because um, it's, um, it, it would, would freak me out even uh, having either sort of dragging and rattling and so on. Yeah. Anyway, one day, Andrew's mother went upstairs to the bedroom to get her husband, William, up for work so that he could get ready for his night shift. And when she got there, she was confronted by the sight of the ironing board placed on his torso as he slept. Oh, how weird. I know, that is just bizarre. Now, that one, that probably was, I I would say, from the ghost's point of view, uh, you know, a bit off the cuff. Yeah. I don't think there's a lesson for that. No. Yeah. Anyway, so when he awoke, he was utterly astonished to find the situation he was in. He would be. He suspected that the grandfather was playing practical jokes on him. In time, he was to realise that the grandfather was not responsible. William decided to tell his work friends what was going on, and it got around the town that Gladstone Villa was haunted. That was brave of him. Sometimes people can be quite cruel about that sort of thing. He must have had good friends. Hmm, I agree, because I'm not sure I would say it at the moment. No. Would you say it at work at the moment, that sort of thing? No, not really. I don't know. Well, to those people that know that we have a Spooky Tales podcast. <laughs> oh, yes. I might well do, actually, because it, probably, it yes, would not be that weird. No, no, but I, I guess if we didn't, then... And we do talk about, about that kind of stuff at work. Yeah, I would say. So, what about you? Would you? Well, as you say, everybody knows I do this podcast, so uh, probably, probably not a big pro- thing. <laughs> yeah, Maybe, like, a few oh, years ago. Yeah. Maybe a few years ago I wouldn't have done, but... Yeah. I've come out on the ghosting front. <laughs> yes. Do you feel better about I yourself? Do. Good yes. man. Yes. Well, much more authentic now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so William and Caroline, Andrew's parents, they separated in 1972. Oh and the father left Gladstone. It must have been a horrible time. Well. I mean, I know he was only young, Andrew, but... Uh, but Still so. Yeah. It, I don't suppose it was the hauntings. I'm just kind of normal stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just the usual sorts of things that lead to a breakdown of a marriage. Oh, dear. At the time, the British band, the Bay City Rollers, were number one in the charts with Bye Bye Baby. 
Mary out. Baby, baby, goodbye, bye, baby, baby, goodbye. Oh, I forgot your fantastic knowledge of, <laughs> of all of lyrics. Pop songs through the ages. <laughs> yeah, although I'm rubbish current ones. Well, well, when does it stop? About 1990, does it? Uh, no, I can do some from the from the 2000s, but not yeah. many, not as many. It is normally 70s and 80s. Yeah, now you're top on those. Anyway, it would have been amusing, but for what was going on at the house, this is the Bye Bye Baby song. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, Andrew was barely two years old and so had no memory of his father living at Gladstone. But the paranormal activity still continued. Mm. And as he got older, he started to witness the poltergeist activity for himself. He saw the electrical cables being pulled by unseen forces, the lights going on and off. And when the grandfather would play records on the Sunday, as the family did, uh, did the dinner, it would turn the music off. What music did he play? Did it not like it? Uh, I think it was country, Johnny Cash, Glen Campbell, that sort of thing. Well, there you go, he didn't like the music. <laughs> Although, I would. I like a bit of country. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I think you're right, because uh, it did take exception to the British plan. Actually, I think you're right, because it did take exception to the British band Slade, and I don't blame it, to be honest. Oh, don't... Oh, I, I used to really like it, but I've heard it so much. Merry Christmas, everybody, that yes. was. Yes, well... Merry... I can't even remember it, now. It was talked about in my lyrics, and I can't remember it. Well, I, can't, I don't think it would have been that one, because that was released in 1980. Oh, OK. Uh, and they'd left the house by 1978. Oh. Do you think it liked mud, Tiger Feet? <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right, that's uh, no, right. Andrew, really if you're listening, tiger do let us know. That's um, neat, that's neat, that's neat, that's neat. Really love your tiger feet. Your tiger feet. Your tiger feet. That's right. I'm going to put you off now. Only slightly. It wasn't just country music and tiger feet and slave, though. Any religious TV shows that his grandmother, Rita, would watch, the ghost would take exception in some way. Eventually... The local police were also involved. Oh, I find that fascinating. It was the same in the Enfold Poltergeist, wasn't it? They didn't know where to turn, so they called the police. Just like here. I mean, it was a different time. I didn't know that you could phone them for a ghost. I don't think I would do that. Would you phone the police? Oh, well, I, I know. I don't think I would, no, because we've sort of read these, these sorts of things and we know they turn up and go, well... <laughs> Good luck. Yes. Uh, yeah, because they, they also did exactly the same thing with the Black Monk Pontefract Poltergeist as well. Uh, so the, uh, they called the police. Yes. Um, and as you say, it must get to a point where you just don't know what to do. It's, you go for an authority figure, yeah. don't you? Yeah. You go for somebody else that will come along and say, go away. Or yes, that's right. Well, this is it. what you do. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Or uh, you go to the church. Yes, and and somebody coming in. Yes, and, and that's uh, I think that's what they what they do. So the police were called, and they took it seriously enough. Oh, they looked, which is really excellent actually, rather than just saying go, up, you know, not even bothered to come around. Yeah. they took it seriously enough. They looked around, including the attic. Although Andrew says that he remembers that they were hesitant and did not go fully in. Mm. Might be frightened of heights. Uh, well, if they're anything like me, yes, they would. They would just peep their head around the top and go, and go "Looks oh, fine." Yeah, yeah. Well, we fumble to try and find if there is a light. That is, uh, otherwise a torch, isn't it? So the conclusion was that actually it was the father, William, playing a prank on the family, and you can understand that because that's the most probably, um, you know, Occam's razor. That's the most likely thing, isn't it? Well, what did William say to that? I'd have thought he'd have something to say about that because it's like a 
Slurp? It's character, isn't it? Yeah, well, indeed. Andrew doesn't really elaborate on that, but it's it's a good point, well made. Thank you. A family friend, Mrs. Ivy France, great name. Great name. Yeah, um, she was more of a friend to the grandmother, Rita. She was very sceptical when the grandmother, Rita, told her that Gladstone Villa was haunted. Ivy studied the bedroom and had a good look around, coming to the conclusion that it was vibration from the traffic outside causing it. Well done, that lady. However, she was soon to change her mind when she experienced it for herself. To her credit, she made a suggestion to get the local press involved and a medium. Again, very similar to the Enfield haunting. They also invited the press around, which I would never do, (laughs) after the police were not able to help. I, I mean... I know, I don't. I don't know. I would not get the press. No, I just I, I, really would not. I think in the Enfield Hauntings case, it actually worked out well for them to call the press. The press were, you know, the, I think it was the Daily Express, they were actually very fair-minded. Yeah. But you, today you would wonder, wouldn't you? Oh, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. So did they get a medium? Uh, so, uh, yes, they did. Uh, the medium was John Matthews. Uh, and when he came to Gladstone Valley, he started by asking the family questions. He then began by challenging the spirit to perform by knocking on the ceiling and sure enough it responded by knocking back at him. John, having made contact, decided to go into a trance to try to find out more about the troublesome spirit. How did that go? Well, unfortunately he failed to get a name or anything really. John confirmed that there was indeed a presence in the house and that it was an earthbound spirit which had unfinished business. Mm. I expect the Dexters were a bit disappointed with that. I think they knew that already, didn't they? Okay, so they invited a priest. Go on, <laughs> we've had, but we've had. Yes, that's exactly what happened, yeah. Um, so it just seems to be almost a format, doesn't oh, you it? You've got a list, haven't you? You've got yeah. a list of people. The police go. Police, uh, press, press, priest. Uh, a medium. Oh, yeah, medium, then priest. Oh, sometimes it's, it's priest and medium, isn't it? Uh, yes, yes, I indeed. Suppose, so I to, it's, depends where I suppose if you go to church a lot, then you go to the church. Yeah, so if you got, well, yeah. if you've got some kind of connection there, yeah. or you've got a natural faith, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Got, yeah. So in our past stories, when a priest has been invited in, they either say it's the usual house noises, like pipes or bad plumbing, or nothing happens when they are there, or they bless the house and those mm-hmm. that in it mm-hmm. and it quietens down for a bit and yep. then the haunting comes back with a vengeance <laughs> so what happened it was the last one what blessing quietening down vengeance yes spot on a priest by the name of graham jones was called to gladstone villa he blessed great names in this one oh, indeed they i have. like them yeah he blessed the property and after a few prayers he duly left and it was quiet for a few short months after that no incidents However, it did return, and with a vengeance. And this time, it decided to show itself. Oh, cool. Why? What happened? One evening, Bill, the grandfather, Caroline, the mother, and Andrew were watching television. Rita, the grandmother, was reading a book, when all of a sudden, Caroline looked to her left and saw the full, solid figure of a monk standing by the doorway. God, that made you give it give oh, a lurch, wouldn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. She later described it in detail as a monk in a typical brown habit, complete with hood over his head. So she couldn't see the face. Oh, scary monk. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So it sounded very much like a, a 16th century Benedictine monk. So that couldn't have been her husband playing tricks? That couldn't have been William? No. No? No, he'd left the family by then. And did the other see it, or was it just the mother? 
Uh, the others were too engrossed in the television, oh. uh, or in Rita's case, in her book. Well, quite right. There was another encounter that happened to a family friend called Fred Davis. Fred would visit most evenings and would sit in his favourite chair by the open fire and talk to the family and watch TV with them. One day, Fred was in his usual place by the open fire when all of a sudden there was one very loud bang. It was so loud that Fred ducked, fearing that the ceiling was about to come down on him. I quite like the fact you ducked then. Did you even realise? I didn't did realise I ducked. No. You went, Fred ducked. You ducked. <laughs> Andrew, terrified, ran to his mother for comfort. And Gone to run. <laughs> Gone ra- Andrew ran. Ra- <laughs> ran to his mother for comfort. Oh. <laughs> okay. And when it was quiet, they all went upstairs. Bill, the grandfather, went first, tentatively followed by the rest. Andrew bringing up the rear. Oh, I wouldn't want to be last. I don't know if Andrew did, actually. No. But yeah, I'd want to be in the middle. I'd want to be in the middle. Have somebody else. <laughs> yeah. They did not know what they were going to find, but assumed it would be a bit of a mess. Peered in one by one, but found nothing that could account for the unbelievably loud bang. I was wondering when they're peering in one by one, whether it's a bit like those scenes with, you know, with the door. Oh, the head. The they do the heads going head. up. No, this actually reminds me, you know, them kind of all going at once. Yeah. Reminds me of that, that time when I was, I was like 17, 18, I was in the house alone and um, I was sat there and the cat came and sat and looked at me, a black cat called Charlie. And he came and sat and looked at me. He was really pleased with himself and I was like, what have you done? And then a robin flew past. Oh. And at the time I was terrified of birds. And so I leapt up because this robin was obviously in the lounge and that's why the cat was so pleased he's like I have brought you a robin so I ran <laughs> and locked myself I was in the house alone I ran and locked myself in the toilet with both dogs oh no and so it was me and then and two dogs ran in and I closed the door and then all three of us just looked at each other <laughs> so and it was like dogs we were there to protect and... <laughs> They're like, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> so this is like a, a small downstairs loop. Yeah, exactly. Right. So there's all three of us. And I was like, it's only me in the house, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody's going to get it out. And I've got you two daft dogs stood with me, banging your tails. Because they were like, what are we doing in here? <laughs> so then I, ran, I actually ran out of the house because I was such a wuss at that point. Yeah. And uh, as somebody I knew in the village was walking past, it was a, a chap and... We called him Andy Cap because he always wore a flat cap. Right. Which makes it sound so it was really northern village when it, it wasn't because no. you know the village yeah. is like 10 miles away. Yeah. And um, he was like, he was like one of those chaps that kind of worked, he was he was a lovely, he was an older man and he kind of worked on the land. He was mm-hmm. a really, really just the nicest chap. You and make he it sound in. like it's way back in the sort of... Uh... Do you know, he looked like he could have come from that time. Right. Yeah, he, that's how he kind of... Mm-hmm. Anyway, he came in and he just literally took his cap off and put it over the robin. Oh, that's quite clever. And then put his hand on the cap and then and then stood there with the robin. And I was yeah. like, oh, get it out of the house, get it out of the house. And he was like, it's fine. It's just a little, just a little bird. And he just stood there. I would have been the same. I wouldn't know what to have done. No. I've never seen anybody do it before. It just but literally. And then the cat was like, I'll bring back my robin. And he just took out the, and he just flew off. Oh. But it was them all going off together. Yes. Oh, not yes. wanting to be on your own. It just yes, really, you and the dogs. Yeah, just really... <laughs> yeah. So all was in its place just as they left it. Well, I don't know about you, but my heart would have been racing. It's absolutely right. I expect it was for them as well. Fred had another experience at Gladstone Villa. 
What was that? One evening, Fred joined the grandfather Bill, who liked to look out of the landing window overlooking the Cardiff Road into the Bargoa Town Centre. Well, that's a, a lovely, simple pleasure, isn't it? Watching the world go by. Absolutely. And on this occasion, Fred wasn't the only one to join Bill looking out the window. What do you mean? Another family member joined them? No. Fred swears that he felt someone brush up against him. But when he looked, there was no one there. Oh, that really would freak me out. So it's, it's a horrible sense. Because I know quite, quite, quite a few people have had that sort of sensation. Yeah, somebody, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Andrew also had a frightening experience. Not far from the landing in the main bedroom, he said it was his most frightening experience while he's in, in, the, whole, in the house the whole time. Oh, why? What happened? Well, Andrew was alone in that particular bedroom. He made sure that the light was on. All was very quiet. Andrew was lying on the bed facing the window that also overlooked Cardiff Road when he suddenly felt something heavy pounce on the bottom of the bed. Pounce? What do you mean, like an animal pouncing? Well, Andrew heard the noise of the bed springs and felt the bed bounce. Andrew didn't look at first. So frightened was he. Eventually, he plucked up the courage, slowly turning his head. But there was nothing there. Oh, my word. He went downstairs in a panic and told his family, who all trooped back up again to the room, to have a look. <laughs> it makes it sound like they're all, oh, God. <laughs> right. What is it now? It was then that they discovered distinctive paw marks on the bed, like that of an animal. Oh, so it was an animal, like a dog? Yes. Well, Bill the grandfather had had a black Labrador dog called Tovey, who died before Andrew was born. So it could have been the ghost of the grandfather's dog come to play rather than scare. Yes, indeed. Although we know from other stories that we have done that demons can present themselves in friendly forms to begin with until they show their true colours. In fact, Bill, the grandfather, and Caroline, the mother, said that they heard a baby crying whilst in the room, adding to the strangeness. Deary me, it does, doesn't it? The activity got steadily more and more intense to the point that Andrew Caroline and Rita, the grandmother, all slept downstairs with the lights on. Oh my. Only the grandfather was brave enough to sleep in the bedroom. I like how he wasn't going to sleep downstairs. That was given him. Yes. He was going to sleep upstairs in his bedroom. Yes, not unlike the Black Monk of Pontefract, where the... Um, the woman who owned the house was very yeah. much like, I'm not giving in. Yeah. This is my house. You're not kicking out of my house. Yeah. That's a similar kind of attitude, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Quite right, too. So, I'm not sure I would... Well, I don't know. You just don't know. I guess you don't know what happens, do you? No. How it makes you feel. Yeah. However, the ghost wasn't going to take that lying down either. So one night, Bill was lying on the bed when all of a sudden, he couldn't move. He couldn't even shout out to get help. That sounds like sleep paralysis. Well, yes, it could have been sleep However, he said he heard something in the room with him. Wow, that's really, that is, yeah. that is so typical of sleep paralysis. So sleep paralysis, can't, you wake up suddenly, can't move, not even your eyes, mm -hmm. and you sense a presence in the room, and you can even see darkness in the room. And, right. it is, and it's quite often that it's that that makes them go, it's sleep paralysis. It's okay. the sense of something else in the room with you. Oh, ah, okay. Well, that does sound like once. a classic case then. Uh, yeah, I've had it You've once. had it? Yeah, I've had it once. Yeah, I've had sleep paralysis. It, just that. I woke up, literally couldn't move anything. Couldn't move, open my eyes and then like, I just, I couldn't move anything. And I was positive there was something in the room with me. Yeah. And it's like a darkness. That must be terrifying. It really was. It was absolutely just terrifying. But it, it, that is so yeah, standard for right. sleep paralysis. Yeah. And I've never had it since, so yeah. Okay, well, thank goodness. Yeah. 
Well, it sounds like it was sleep paralysis then. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> and also, you know, never talk to the chap. But yeah, my two penneth is that it's sleep. Thank you. Well, the grandmother, she had her own experiences. One day she went upstairs into that bedroom to get her husband up. And as she approached the room, she saw the boiler room door opening wide by itself. Oh my God, did she see anything? Well, she didn't stay there long enough to see what it was. Don't blame her. No, on another occasion, she said that she had the sensation of something pulling from under her foot. Oh my word. Like she'd stepped on the ghostly monk's habit or something like that. And the monk was going, get off, you know, something like that. Anyway, the ghost became such a regular visitor in the house that Rita gave it a pet name. She called him Johnny. Right. Bill would bait Johnny and shout out his name to provoke a reaction, but Johnny wouldn't bite. Now then, do you remember Ivy Francis? Yes, she was the arch-sceptic who changed her mind and suggested the call to the press and the medium. Yep, well done, ten points. Anyway, her son, Charles, got to hear about what was going on at Gladstone Villa and he came along with some friends as they were keen to experience it for themselves. They went into the bedroom. Well, although nothing in particular happened, it frightened one of Charlie's friends. And to this day, he says it was a very spooky place. Caroline had to have an operation on her foot. Nothing to do with the ghost, I hope. No, no, no. Uh, It was after the operation that the local nurse would come to Gladstone Villa and tend to her foot. Very nice. And on one occasion, Caroline was sat on the chair and the nurse was kneeling down to tend to her when the nurse told Caroline not to hold her. Oh, she wasn't holding her. <laughs> That's right. Oh, dear. There was no one holding her, but the nurse was adamant. Caroline looked at the grandmother in amazement and they made their own conclusions that it was probably Johnny. Holding the nurse? Yes. I say. Oh. That sounds a bit carry on, doesn't well, it? a monk as well, exactly. yes. Did they say anything to the nurse? No, they just let it slide by. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry. Anyway, towards the end of Andrew's time at the house, Andrew heard the sound of Gregorian chanting, giving further credence to Johnny being a monk. Then, that was it. No more. The Dexter family moved out in the summer of 1978, when two local businessmen brought the property. Gladstone Villa was converted into a small hotel, and its name changed to the Reds Park Hotel. However, on the night before they moved... There was one final incident, as if it knew the Dexter family was leaving for good, and that was its way of saying goodbye. Why? What happened? Well, Caroline, Rita, the grandmother, and Andrew got ready to go to sleep. They were still sleeping downstairs, remember? Still? Yes. Even though it quietened down? Yep, well, the light was on, and they heard the doorknob slowly turning, as if someone was trying to get in. At first, they suspected Bill, the grandfather, as he was the only one who slept upstairs in that room, and they thought it may have been him playing a prank. Andrew called out, but there was no answer. Then, they heard their belongings that were packed in the hallway being thrown around violently. Oh, gosh. The next day, they asked Bill if it was him playing a joke, but he insisted that it wasn't him. Oh, so that was it then? Well, there is an interesting epilogue to this. Oh, yes, go on. Thirty years later... Andrew returned to the Red Parks Hotel to celebrate his 40th birthday. Really? So did anything happen? Well, no, but he did talk to some of the staff who told him about the ghost that haunted the hotel. 
They told him of their own personal experiences, lights going on and off, the odd sighting in room five, which I presume is that room. Yeah. A bride in white had been seen. Oh, wow. Guests claim that they had heard a baby crying. Hang on. Wasn't there a baby who died in the house in the early 1900s? Could that have been the baby that was heard crying? Mm. Ghost of the child or an, an imprint or a recording or something? Yes, well, it was only four months old when he passed, wasn't it? Ah. Probably could have, could well be. Yeah. So now, Andrew goes on to say that Mrs. Kimmett, the baby's mother, died in 1970, Ooh. which is roughly when the troubles at the house began. Wow. And of course, he was he, he was a baby that that. You know, oh yes, and so probably about it four it months old. Oh my word! So what about Johnny the monk? Any clues there as to where that may have come from? Well, Andrew also found that there was a monastery just down the road and there was a property directly opposite what was Gladstone Villa in Cardiff Road dating back to the 16th century. Oh. It's now a public house called the Rafa Club. Oh, gosh. A priest hole is said to be there, Ooh. but it's sealed up. Well, that's the end of another spooky tale. We thank Andrew Dexter for allowing us to tell his story. A really good one. I'm sure you will all agree. Thank you very much indeed, Andrew. Thank you. We hope you all enjoyed this spooky tale. We look forward to hearing from you again. And if you enjoyed this, please like, rate and review on iTunes. That would really help us to find um, new people that might enjoy it. Yes, or whatever your podcast choice is. That would be lovely if you could do that for us. Please do tell us your spooky tales, either in the YouTube comments or... Via email, which is the spooky tales podcast at gmail.com. And come and follow us on Instagram at the Spooky Tales Podcast. Or why not visit us on our Facebook page at Spooky Tales. Thanks again. Until next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.